Seems like we're good to go, David. I think we'll open as we usually do with a with a classic from the eighties. We've done three, you know, fairly powerful songs, driving songs, metal, some might say. So I think we should switch it up a little bit this week with a classic eighties power ballad. What do you would you say to a little Bon Jovi wanted dead or alive? I'd say yes. I think it also is uh germane as we're here in week four hundred and seventy two of the COVID quarantine and question is, will we make it through dead or alive? Who knows? But uh, let's give it a listen. Oh, that's good stuff. Brings me back. Brings me back. I like it. Uh, yeah, I but Brad, it the, only, have... the only problem is it wasn't loud. It wasn't loud enough. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, you do have that problem at times with ballads. Not everybody gets it right. I'm not sure Bon Jovi did with Wanted Dead or Alive. A uh, little bit of a takeoff on uh, on an old Bob Seger tune. Not sure they nailed it, but uh, we do appreciate being able to give it a listen. So what's going on, buddy? We're, uh, we're apart again. I mean, the, the COVID's not letting us huddle together as we usually like to do for a podcast, but we're, we're making it work. Well, yeah. They, I mean, the big COVID update this week is the run on meat, right? The run on run on meat, everything from beef to chicken to to quail, um, every, everything. But mutton, you can't buy. I went to I went to the Stop and Shop today. You can't even buy yeah. mutton. No mutton, none. Like what you'd expect it to. You're getting nothing for mutton, huh? So you're nothing for me? mutton. Nothing for there. There's no mutton. There's there's nothing. Well, that is unfortunate. I mean, we're just going downhill here. It was encouraging to see that the CDC said this week that despite everything they told us up to now, that it actually, you can't get it from touching a box or a piece of fruit or anything else. So all of these shenanigans with package deliveries and washing your groceries and all that, it's all been for not. So, yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's just in the air. It's just in the, uh, in the air, like uh, flying high, like an eagle. Yeah. Just floating around clouds of COVID. That's what you have to be careful of. Your groceries are fine. Your deliveries are fine. Just don't walk through a COVID cloud. And you, you know what I've be, noticed? Uh, Dr. Dr. Fauci. Dr. Fauci has no problem getting mutton or quail. He's a big quail guy is what I've understood. Cornish game hen is what I understand is his favorite, but he'll take a quail in the absence of a Cornish game hen. Yeah, there's nothing so, like a stuffed Cornish uh, game hen during the holidays. Uh, when was the last time you had a Cornish game hen? Uh, let's see. 1986, seven, four, uh, Christmas. I, I've never had one, Brad. I've never had a Cornish game. I don't know that I have either. I've seen them on menus. Uh, what about chicken wings? Like chicken wings over at the Hooters. Does that count? As a Cornish game, man? I guess if you're, you know, someplace Cornish, probably. Yeah. So then the answer is no. No. Okay. Well, there you go. Never had a Cornish hey, game. Hey, did man. I, did I mention that, uh, our, our company, Dominion Harbor um, has, yeah. has is is a Stevie Award winning company, a bronze Stevie. Wow, I mean, I think that pretty much says it all. Yeah, the 1988 Olympic team, a basketball team of Stevie Award winners, the bronze, the big bronze uh, uh, winner. Although I don't know if there's a trophy or anything associated with it because I couldn't go to the uh, the big banquet because of the COVID. Yeah. Well, I mean, these things happen, but it is good to, you know, sort of have that hanging on the wall, I guess. Yeah. 
That's solid bronze. Solid. Well, I didn't say solid. I just said bronze. So, bronze. So like a, one of those chocolate Easter bunnies. It's a hollow on the inside. It's all right. Yeah, it's but listen, Stevie. I don't want to get I don't want to get uh, too far down that road because of course we've got to flip it over to the uh, uh, weather and traffic on the eights any minute right. now. Well, on on the eights. So however many minutes it is to that, that's how many minutes we got. Yep. What else is going on in the world today? Well, you know what? I mean, there's there's not a lot going on in the world, right? I mean, we're sort of stuck here. Uh, I, I did appreciate you sending me a note earlier this morning, telling me that the uh, some Danish experts were uh, more positive about the COVID, which is good, right? Because both you and I are a couple of gentlemen who occasionally enjoy a Danish, and I would hate to think that uh, you know the COVID would impact one of our favorite breakfast treats. Brad, are you a blueberry Danish guy or, or, or like a pineapple or a cheese day? What's your favorite type of Danish? You know what? Cheese is okay. I mean, cheese is, is not a bad choice, but if I, if a raspberry Danish is available, I'm taking it. How many Danish do you think you can eat in one sitting? Oof. Uh, is there a time limit? I mean, can I rest? Do I have to continually be chewing on them? Is there, are nope. there any rules nope. here or just? No time limit. Some, you can't leave your chair. Yeah. There's no liquid. Can't and you chair. can't go to the restroom. Oh, you can't, can't go to the no restroom. Liquid. No restroom. Right. Right. So, well, then, I, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say tops three. Oh, I, I was going to say 14, but okay. Well, there you go. Three. Well, if you think you could do 14, I'm, I'm behind you. I'll be there for you. But uh, the no liquid thing kills you. You get it. You know, can't eat 14 Danishes without taking a swallow or something. Yeah, well, you never know because some of those have fruit filling and that serves as the drink. Mm. I appreciate the aggressive approach, but I'm not sure that would work for me. I would need a sip of water, I think, between each Danish in order to be able to really make it happen. What about the unmasking thing? What do you what do you what do you what do you stand on that? I mean, you were in the well, yeah. uh, you were in the government, right? I mean, you had those uh, you know, you, I mean, look, we all know back in ninety two where you were, right? You were neck deep in this whole, you know, Bill and Hillary Clinton thing. There were all those calls between you and Hillary. Right. Eventually, Vince Foster goes missing in the park. Then they find the body. Right. The suicide. The big again. I don't want to get too deep into this because of NDAs, confidentiality agreements, NDAs. In but, the Middle East it was terrible. But of course, well, no. Of course, con- conveniently, conveniently in the Middle East. Yeah. But anyway, you were sort of in the same position as General Flynn. You were, you know, again. Yeah. I don't want to get too particular granular the details of your calls with Hillary um, and then the subsequent murder of Vince Foster. But let's just, what do you think about the whole unmasking of General Flynn? Well, I mean, again, I think in this period of time, you have to, you have to specify what you mean by unmasking. I mean, everybody's wearing a mask at this point. So are we talking about COVID masks or what are we referring to? Well, let me ask you this. I mean, even a more important question. Remember Mr. Wrestling number two? No. Probably the greatest mask wrestler of all time, or the mask superstar. How about him? No. You don't remember the mask superstar? Well, this is because you were wasting your time defending our government in the Middle East while I was focused on the WWF. Um, but look, th- those two guys never got unmasked. Not once. Never? Even while, nope. while eating? Never? Even when, even when going home, when shaving, which made it very difficult to, to shave, but at did. the same time. You know, Mr. Wrestling never did. Well, you asked me, yeah. okay, who's your, who's your, who's, who's the greatest mass superstar of all the, I'm telling you right now. Hmm. All right. Well, I'll take your word on that. I don't, I don't know either of the gentlemen, but if you feel strongly about it, I will take your word on it. With respect to unmasking, 
yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, anybody that can maintain that level of discipline with respect to shaving with a mask on, eating with a mask on, I mean, those are the kind of people that, uh, you can look up to in an era when it seems like everybody's trying to uh, unmask. So Patrick, what do you think about this whole Mr. Wrestling number two thing? Greatest mass wrestler of all time or no? Uh, I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to say yes. Well, there you go. Good. So that's two against one, Brad. So once again, you're outnumbered, but that's a different segment, different segment. We can't really go there. We're too much of a roll. As he pours himself a, what appears to be a scotch and soda. It's delicious. Got to have something. Well, what about the uh, Brad, what, what about the IP industry? What do you? Uh, one of the things I've noticed this week is, as you know, we see the various uh, voices of the IP industry cower behind uh, anonymous uh, Twitter and, and, and LinkedIn accounts. Mm. Uh, I, I've noticed that there are a lot of people that just flap their gums in this industry oh, yeah. as opposed to the people that actually do something. The people that do something don't seem to be talking except on their own self-titled podcast where they go over a whole range of IP related items, but that's not important. Um, but did you notice that like when you go to these events and the most people talking at the events that you often go to just have never done anything? Well, no, it's always the same group of people who've never done anything who are constantly talking. So yeah, I try to avoid these events at all costs because it's the same group of people saying the same thing all the time. So luckily, it, it I mean, that's like, been one of the upsides of the COVID, right? Is there's been no, you know, congregations of any kind. So that's been a uh, that's been a that's been a positive for the IP industry, in, in my opinion. Maybe, maybe not. But you go to those events, right? And you go into the room and you see all these people talking, and none of them have ever done anything in their life, right? I mean, so it'll be like me giving Roger Federer, you know, advice on the tennis, you know, I mean, he, he's not going to take it. And even if he did, he'd lose. Well, I, maybe, I guess it depends on what advice you would give him. I mean, if you told I him, I don't even know what I would say. Well, I would start there. I would start with hydration. Important. Hydrate, move the, move the joystick to the left, you know, stay away from the big phantom bots. I don't even know what to tell the guy. I really don't know yeah. what to tell him. Well, right. Is it different on you clay or grass? Point. I don't know. It's yeah, like, um, good point. It's like, um, uh, you know, Saddam Hussein giving advice on regime change, right? Or the Shah, your favorite, the Shah of Iran. Yeah. You know, probably yeah, the not Shah the guy you want to go to. Regime. No, no, it didn't work out well for him. Yeah. Quite frankly. The Shah, the, the Luca Brazzi of, uh, of yeah, uh, being able to transition from I, one regime to another. Sorry. He had kind of a surprised look on his face for uh, most of that period of time. But you know what? It's it's hard to fault the guy unless you've walked a mile in his moccasins, as it were. Well, I yeah, I mean, there, there's a rumor that you were very good friends with the guy sitting behind the Shaw when he got into the 1956 Cadillac at the compound in Long Island. Is that true or no? No. That's good enough for me, my friend. So shall we uh, move on to Bard versus Ben? Sure. Yeah. There's got to be some good candidates for that. I've got a great one. I've worked on this this week because last week's kind of oh, was good. not that good. Right. Last yeah. week, like every week, it seems to be like someone in the uh, IP space because, you know, all the all the people here in the studio audience and the people at home and the people in the studio audience, they all want to, you know, us to, to talk about, um, you know, the, the head of the patent office or the, the head of the uh, European patent office, which I believe is called the PESCO um, and the uh, head of the Asian uh 
patent office, which I cannot uh, pronounce. But um, yeah, so I, I think we should maybe move a little bit away from that. What do you think? Let's do it. Let's try it. What's the worst that could happen? We're probably about to find out, frankly. Oh, we could we could get a call from the network chiefs after the show saying you're off the air and you're not going to be doing drive time anymore. Oh, well, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm willing to take that risk with you, my friend. Sounds like you've put some, some, some work into it, some shoe leather. Let's hear what you got. Okay. Bard or band? The Bangles. The great 1990s, late 80s rock, all-female band, Susanna Hoffs. Walk like an Egyptian, the Bengals. Yeah. Well, Barham or Bantam? Well, how about none of that? That's a great band. I mean, I think you've sort of boxed yourself in there. You came out swinging with how good a band they were, and now you want to Barham or Bantam. I wouldn't, I don't think well, I do I'm either. Saying, I'm saying, should you Barham or Bantam? I mean, you're, you have to pick no, one. You no, can't I'm say saying no. no. This is unprecedented. Yes, this is like, doesn't compute to the uh, infringement uh, robot. Well, that but you got to be careful there because the infringement robot will, you know, spark and potentially start a fire. The poor engineering behind that whole thing. But yeah, no, I, I think I, I like the Bengals. I, I like "Walk Like an Egyptian." Great song. Um, Eternal Flame was not bad. Eternal Flame was Manic Monday. Wasn't that also the Bengals? Just another Manic uh, Monday. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. It's my son, fun day. See, now we're getting into something that we could ban or bar right here. You yeah. doing the bangles. Yeah. No, that's that's yeah. true. Yeah. So I would say for the band itself, um, none of that. We let the band continue to uh, progress as they have been. I don't know what they're up to these days, but I wouldn't want to stop them from doing it. I do think that our, based on the response of our studio audience, that neither you nor I, and certainly not Patrick, uh, should perform any Bangles tunes. That should be banned and barred. Right Here there. we go. We're at, we're at the last segment of the uh, of the old show. We've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, but this is the award-winning, uh, Stevie award-winning segment, uh, Time Machine. So Mel, one of our erstwhile listeners, Mel from Bradenton, Florida, has, has written in, and he sent a, 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 a Susan, Susan B. Anthony dollar with this. I'm not oh. sure what that means or what it's supposed to buy. But again, he said, you'd know. Um, and uh, he has said, well, this this time, let's send Brad back to 1969 to Woodstock. Mm. Um, and of course, that begs several questions, right? Because you were around in 1969, young Brad. Um, Very young Brad. So of course, yeah, I was around. Yeah, but the first thing that comes to my mind is we can't have the cross-contamination of the space-time continuum, as Doc Brown used to say. So we can't obviously have old, angry Brad run into young uh, Brad at Woodstock. So I assume you were not actually there? No, we, we should be all set there. I was uh, just a little over one year old. and I, I, I wanted to go, but I, I couldn't get the, uh, the little walker with the wheels on it to, uh, to get me all the way to New York. So no, I was not there. Okay, good. Then we can continue with Mel's Question. I would say also Mel is a name you just don't uh, hear very much anymore. Like you know, Mel Turpin is the last good Mel, but Mel says um, what about uh, Mel Blanc. Mel Blanc. Mel Brooks. Yeah, those guys were born in like the the friggin' Coolidge administration. What are you talking about? Mel Turpin was a 1980s Kentucky marginal semi-pro player. 
who I believe received payoffs. <laughs> well, that could all be true. Mm-hmm. So here's here's Mel's comment. He said, "What if, um, if if Brad were to go back to Woodstock in 1969?" Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, the, the, the folks at home and the folks playing the the home game, the mm-hmm. board game, um, we, we we send either myself or Brad back in time to a specific instance in history where great things are happening, um, and we. We, we arm them with an important piece of technology from the future. Mm. Right. And they bring that back in time and they're meant to use that um, for a specific purpose to enhance those around them in the time um, in the past that they go back to. Uh, so Mel says, what if we send Brad back to Woodstock 1969, modern day Brad, not one year old Brad with a Betamax copy of Crocodile Dundee 2. Um, so Brad, what are you going to do with that? Uh, wow. Uh, that's an excellent question. I'd probably trade it for something useful would, uh, would be my first gut response. Well, I think the first person that sees you with a copy of Crocodile Dundee 2 is going to have two reactions, right? One, how the fuck did you get a beta copy of that? Because, you know, they stopped making them long before that movie came out. And then number two, they're probably going to say, I can't believe they made a sequel to that piece of poop. But, and those responses would both be accurate. I don't know how I would wind up with a beta copy of the sequel to what was arguably a C grade movie to begin with. And, uh, and if I don't have a beta player, then I mean, it's really not doing me any good, right? Especially in the middle of a dairy farm in 1969, upstate New York. I was going to say, let's give Mel the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he's thinking you can use that as a weapon to fight your way out of that dairy farm. Well, that, I was thinking you know, obviously a bunch of lunatics, crazy lunatics, but most of them were high or drunk or high and drunk. And so I'm thinking that if I present the beta copy uh, well enough as, you know, something from the future, I could probably trade it for uh, something useful, perhaps an, an actual weapon, with which to fight my way off the dairy farm there. And uh, what was the town in New York, buddy? You remember? Bethel? Yeah, I do. I think it's, it I think it was Bethel, but I, I could be wrong. You know, you know, you know who would know? Me Me, no, Mel, Mel from Bradenton would know. He probably would know. A guy named Mel who lives in Bradenton may well have been at Woodstock at an age old enough to remember it. Have you ever known a Mel personally? Uh, only a girl. I, I happen to have a niece who is uh, named Melissa, but everybody calls her Mel. That's the only Mel I've ever personally known. Mel, I do appreciate you taking the time and, and even finding a Susan B. Anthony dollar to fire our direction. We'll put it here in the uh, IP Frequently Hall of Fame right here behind the glass. We'll go your Susan B. Anthony dollars. We appreciate that. We look forward to joining you folks uh, next week and seeing a new studio audience and perhaps another episode of Bander Bard and Back in Time. So that being said, my good friend, David, I appreciate your time, sir. Patrick on the board and on the production site. Appreciate you. We'll see you next week. 